0: Everybody I just wanted to come on really quick before the show starts to let you know that you may find that in this episode the audio is a little rough I want to apologize to you guys and I also want to apologize to our guest mala Because I didn't realize how rough the audio was going to end up being and it may be a little hard to hear her at times It's a little muddled Just know that going forward our audio is always going to be much much better. I've worked it out I've got a better system now and i just want you to know that i want to put out really really good content for you um but please enjoy this show mala was an awesome guest we had some really really good conversation i learned all about you know her culture and it was really awesome so enjoy it but just know that going forward the audio is going to be like 10 times better and we'll never have this problem again all right you guys enjoy the show Welcome everybody to Dine with the Divine. I'm your host Ashley. and Together we're going to be exploring the magical, the mystical, everything in between. So here on today's episode, we're chilling here in the Caribbean. We might go to Asia and we're going to clear up some misconceptions about a goddess who has some very interesting jewelry choices. So. Hi everybody, thanks so much for joining us again for another week. I hope your week's going great, and if it's not, I hope it gets better. So I'm really excited to introduce today's guest. Today we have Mala, she's Indo-Caribbean Hindu spiritual practitioner and a Shakta. Did I say that right, Mala? Yes, you did. Okay, who is devoted to the goddess? She has she combines over 20 plus years of mental health experience as a licensed clinical psychotherapist. Life coach and practitioner of the madrasi and tantric Hindu traditions. She is a practitioner of pujarin. Uh, Practicing pujarin. Yes. A practicing pujaran. I apologize for that. That (laughs) channels as a means of connecting to her higher self to provide guidance and support to others her connection to her spiritual guides provides access to ancestors and past lives mala has shared this insight and guidance throughout her life and with those who seek to work with her so thank you so much mala for participating in this and coming on the show this is so exciting thank you for having me i'm really excited to do this awesome okay so we're going to start at the very beginning so (laughs) and this is all going to bleed into everything else we talk about so there's a lot of stuff like that people would like, I just read your biography and people are going to read this and say, wow, not everybody, obviously a lot of people probably know things more than me, but this is also to educate myself. (laughs) Can you tell me a little, well, first let's start here. Can you tell me a little bit of what brought you to like a spiritual path and kind of being more involved in your own spiritual life, like your own spiritual journey? Oh, that is such a loaded question. I'm like, how long do we have?
1: So <laughs> I will give you the the cliff notes version. I come from a really spiritual family. I have one of those individuals who, my, the earliest I can actually remember meditating was around seven years old. Mm. I started meditating from then because be, prior to that, I had to learn the hard way that not everybody sees things that aren't here.
2: Mm. Not
1: everybody knows things that aren't here. I want to say the first time I ever saw someone who was dead, was when my grandfather died and I was three at the time. Um, and I couldn't understand why when, and this was back home in Guyana, South America, couldn't understand why like he was in this, in back homes so in Guyana, they put them in ice,
2: right? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Or ice over them to preserve the body. It's a tropical country. Yeah. But then when I looked through the window, I could see him standing outside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's he doing here and doing there at the same time? <laughs> I thought it was normal actually. I thought it was normal to see things or hear things. So I grew up thinking this is totally okay. This is me. I do have a very spiritual family. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave us access. So they gave us access to individuals who taught us mantras and prayers and and the beginning of meditation. A lot of my devotion actually came from my grandma. My grandma was very devoted to the goddess and she came when I was about 10 years old. And after that, it was like, she kind of just threw me into it and it was like okay this is how you pray this Mm -hmm. is why this is what devotion looks like and I was one of those individuals who was always seeking and and learning trying to learn right Mm -hmm. Um, and I started actually with my meditation I started I think I was about like maybe ten, nine or 10 when the first time I realized that I could actually see myself leave my body Mm. and, and move through my house the a kid I would like run through the house and I I started seeing these things and I couldn't understand why I was moving through a house or why I would walk down the steps and nobody could see me so a lot of my spiritual journey actually it felt really organic I guess does mm-hmm. that make sense yes and I just kept searching I kept searching and looking and stumbling and realizing later on in life that most of my family knew
2: mm-hmm.
1: um told me I had imaginary friends
2: mm-hmm. which is
1: beautiful
0: because you know you grow up thinking you're crazy which is probably why i became a therapist makes sense totally it's so funny so i think that because people of color especially if you immigrated from this country and i guess this isn't everybody so i can't i guess i don't know who i can include in this statement but like (laughs) i know yeah like so my dad is from ghana and i always grew up hearing like stories about supernatural experiences and things like that so i just always assumed that everybody's family also had like supernatural experiences like i would tell my friends like oh yeah and then this happened and then this happened and the same thing is for my fiance he's from nigeria he tells me stories and he's like so that kind of stuff just doesn't happen all the time i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) and then stories kind of like you were talking about your grandfather it's like oh yeah so and so died but then we saw them last week so this is a a story that I always tell everybody is about how my grandma had lunch with this guy who was actually dead. And I just heard this story when I was little and thought it was normal. They're like, yeah, yeah. sometimes ghosts come and you eat dinner with them. And everyone's like, that's weird. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I know. And, and what's even
1: crazier is like trying to navigate that now. Like for instance, even with like my kids, both my kids have the same gifts, mm-hmm. right? My brother, sister, they all have the same gifts. Their kids have this very similar gifts. So trying to navigate with like my 10 year old things like, hey, so why aren't you using the bathroom at the school? There's a girl screaming in there. So you're going to get a UTI because you don't want to go to that bathroom (laughs) Um, because there's a dead girl screaming in the bathroom. I'm like, two things. One, don't tell your friends (laughs) because you're going to lose them. And this is the age you don't want to lose them. And two, I will have to roll up at the school and go investigate the bathroom. Right? So I mean, there's certain things that we, I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like if we were still back home, it, and even when we're among our own people, and when I say own people, I mean Trinidadians, the uh, Guyanese, mm-hmm. even a lot of times the Africans, and I see sometimes Southern Baptists
0: vibes yeah, yeah.
1: right? I feel like it's normalized, and I feel very, like, okay to be myself. Okay mm-hmm. to be like, so, you know, your grandfather's here. Did yeah. you do this recently? Like, that feels like it just flows. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm part of, like, more of my Western world, I find myself having to okay bring that part of myself down and this very unauthentic version of myself okay. has to come out right my husband calls it code switching <laughs> yes right, that's exactly what it is he's like you have to code switch in this moment because how else would i get to where i am like i'm a i consider myself a successful licensed clinical social worker i have these amazing companies and staff who most of them don't even know what i'm capable of doing they just don't mm. create kick-ass therapist and I work with people who've gone through trauma, and my name is on their check, right? Yes. So we sort of have to live this other life where our spirituality is bottled up,
2: yes,
1: um, right? And and it, the crazy thing happens is I realize, you no, know, I'm gonna be 44 this year. Okay, I realized this year as I hit when I hit 40, I realized that I all of a sudden I developed this. Well, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> yes. I stopped pretending that I don't see stuff. Mm-hmm. I stopped pretending that I don't hear things. Mm-hmm. And the more I embraced my, my gift, my natural born gift, the more that shit just came. Yes. Now I go anywhere
2: mm-hmm.
1: without hearing, seeing something. Someone's grandmother comes, shows up and be like, Oh, can you tell her this? No, I'm not going to tell her that. I'm trying to finish my dinner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, stand down for five seconds. Let me go do this. Right. Yes. <laughs> but I think, I think that's the part that I actually love about being Indo-Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I, and, and not to say that the Western civilization, Western people don't have a rich history in and of themselves, but mm-hmm. I'm super proud of my Caribbean ancestry. Mm-hmm. I am super proud of the fact that my my Indian ancestry, you know, our, our trek is indentured servants from India to Guyana, where many of us ended up Guyana, Trinidad, mm-hmm. uh, Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We find our people everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I, think, I think that's the beautiful thing about our culture, right? the spiritual aspect and how normal it feels in like the caribbean countries
0: Mm -hmm. and here yes yes oh god so many things to say about that there's so i find especially in the united states and like i do a lot of work with like people dying and stuff so there's such a lack of ritual and i feel like a lot of that i mean it stems from the puritanical past of the united states right but like I have people, and it's usually white American people who will say things to me. I saw this, or I had a dream or somebody died in my family. And then I saw this animal. Do you think that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like why (laughs) (laughs) to me? I'm like, yeah, that's duh. That's this or this, that, and I don't ever want to judge anybody, but I'm just feel so bad that people think like, that's weird. I'm like, no, no, no. It's like normal. But when you grow up in a culture where you don't hear that, like, it's not normal. To say, well, this animal is probably coming back from, you know, you saw a deer in your backyard and the day your father died and that's probably your dad. Yeah, it probably is. But we, in this country, there's not that tradition of thinking of those types of things like that. And unfortunately, weirdly enough, I find that sometimes like in the South, like kind of like you were talking about before, like Southern Baptist and stuff. And even I find this like a lot in Jamaica too, like a lot of the times where people see these spiritual things is because of the troubles that were there you know what i mean the problems and so i feel like they're more connected to that lineage and it's like these people they they suffered and then persevered but they kept that you know what i mean and then it's kind of the same thing like A lot of Indo-Caribbean people, they came after slavery. They outlawed slavery, like, oh man, we need more people. Like, well, we're, we're the British, where else do we rule? Oh, India, let's go get all of them. And promising them like, oh, we're going to do all these things. And they were working all day and all night. Like they were working real hard, but they were able to number one, persevere, preserve their culture, their traditions and make it like, and then integrate with the other people on the island, because all the the Black people, too, they're like, hey, we like your food. And the Indian people like your food, too. Let's all eat together. Like, and let's make this other cool food. Like, like so, like, they, they have this beautiful perseverance. So, like, I felt so, when you said, oh, I'm so proud, I feel the same way. I'm like, wow, like, I come from people who, like, persevered. They were, they were already cool. And they did so much. And they were able to retain this beautiful relationship. Yeah. Which is important, don't get me wrong, but, like, they took their traditions and were like, okay, we're going to bring this here. We're going to maybe make it a little different because we're in a different place, but we're going to keep our beautiful sense of self. And I just think it's so cool. Yeah, I, I, think,
1: I think that's the way also we preserve our, our lineage, right? Like you said, yes. we preserve it. And I, just to speak, you know, I think one of the things that I've found even historically in America is that a lot of quote unquote Americans aren't mm-hmm. given the language. Mm-hmm. be able to express what they see and what they feel, I think the concepts of fear, and like you mentioned, you know, coming from the Puritan era, I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I think as a therapist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen, and, and that's what I can speak to, as a therapist, I've seen that the concepts of fear and paranoia and, and all of these normalized experiences mm-hmm. lead to psychological suppression. Right, mm-hmm. and then you know all of these illnesses, illnesses of the mind and the body, right, and now everybody's trying to be woke and do somatic stuff and breath work, and mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna do some deep breathing, well bitches, it's pranayama, that's <laughs> what it is, but everybody's gonna come up with a new name for it, and you know you know make shit up as they go along because for some reason, everybody thinks Tantra is only about sex, but it's way more than that. We're
0: getting to it, girl, because I have a lot of questions. <laughs>
1: But I I will say just to speak to the fact that I've seen that over the years. I've I've been, I've been in mental health for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've seen the impact of not having, you know, the language to really express what you see and what's going on. I mean, I worked in psychiatric hospitals. I've seen individuals come in where they weren't psychiatric. Mm. It was something definitely amiss in Denmark, but it was more spiritual.
2: And, mm-hmm.
1: then, and unfortunately, our system doesn't have the language to give life to that. Like, you know, they could definitely codify being gay first and mm-hmm. say that's the disease, but they couldn't find the goddamn language to say that, okay, it's actually okay if children might have what we call in the West Indies a light shadow,
2: mm-hmm.
1: be able to see something that's not there. Let's mm-hmm. not tell them they're crazy.
2: Yeah. let's
1: pathologize it and make them feel like something's wrong with them and create a disease model instead yeah. let's say all right well so grandma does come and visit you but you're going to tell grandmother she can't sit around right now because you got to go take a nap yes. um and, and and really putting it, like helping them to internalize that there's nothing wrong with them because i think a lot of disease comes from that and and i see it personally because my specialization is adolescent children families okay. right yeah. so i see the beginning of life and I see where we start to really fuck up our kids and our families mm-hmm. by not giving them the space or the the foundation, the language to normalize so many things that get normalized in the Caribbean.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, oh my God, that everything he says is that true. I just, I feel that so hard because it's like, there's so many... The spiritual experiences, especially as a person of color, cult- a first generation American person that I may have, but like my parents never said it was weird. I'd be like, oh, I had this dream and I felt like God was everywhere around me. And, I- and my parents were like, oh, that's great. It was never, oh, that's bad. or it's scary. I was like, they were like that's, that's great that like, you're feeling this presence. And I used to say sometimes I go to church and I feel like the presence of God. And I don't know. And my dad's like, that's it. That's great. That's fantastic. Nobody ever demonized it to me. So when I feel like, and I never shared it with my friends because my dad specifically was like, do not tell white people, sorry, white people. I'm not trying to insult you, but my dad used to say to me, don't tell white people that you feel this way. <laughs> they're going to think you're crazy. And I was like, okay. But like, I've also kind of you, I've always been a little bit connected. So I would say things I would say, especially like my grandmother who I never met, but I have this relationship with her that is insane and. I would tell my mom all and I still do. I tell my mom, like, oh grandma said this, or like I felt grandma. And my mom would never be like, oh no, that's wrong. Or she would be she would cry half the time. My grandma died when my mom was 10. So she would get so emotional, or she would just be happy to hear from her. So I that was my next thing I was gonna talk to you about. Because for you as a clinician, what to you separate especially with younger kids right like what separates for you a spiritual experience versus an actual maybe there's an issue that needs to be you know dealt with with however therapy medication whatever you think what does it look like for you when you see that
1: well the instances where it has occurred in mm-hmm. my so I'll tell you a story i i get called in and of course as a therapist we assess you assess, you assess, you assess. That's what you do the entire time. You're always assessing.
2: Mm-hmm. Assessing
1: starts from the first conversation, and so does like the whole treatment planning and even discharge planning. Yeah. We're always thinking two steps ahead and we're always assessing. And I was called to work with a young lady whom they were reporting she had split cutting. They thought that, you know, she might have some early onset schizophrenia. She was having a little bit of psychosis, very Alienating herself, there was a lot going on in in the home. So I went in to work with her initially. The first time I went went in, I started talking to the mom, and I always assess for spirituality. Why? Mm -hmm. Those are great coping skills. Yes, yes. Oh, Um, girl, yes. (laughs) So I look at okay, what is the family attached to? What does the system look like? The community look like? And then what does the system within the house look like? And what are your spiritual beliefs, if any? Mm -hmm. And then mom started talking about oh, we have to stop. She couldn't get her communion like she was kind of going on about this. And I dig a little deeper. I'm, I start to look at were there any deaths? because I have to do grief, right? Maybe grief happened. Maybe the youth was molested. Maybe, you know, we kind of got to go through all these things to find trauma if there was trauma, right? Yes, yes. So there's a reason something is happening. And I start to do that because I always rule out medical first. Medical social worker, I always look, first of all, what's going on in your body. Yes. Uh, before I start looking in your mind because things like for instance diabetes, if your sugar is not under control, your blood sugar is not under control, it can present with psychosis. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Lyme disease can present with psychosis. So mm-hmm. it's like a
0: UTI you know, can present with, with psychosis.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked in I was the clinical director of a nursing home, social work, nursing home. Yeah. Social work department in a nursing home. And yeah, when those UTIs were raging, oh my God.
2: No. Let me tell you. <laughs>
1: popping off in the the arts room everybody was talking to somebody god bless their souls but I I would be running to the charts UTI is there a UTI in here because I know psychosis last week but with this particular young lady so to go back to my story forgive Mm -hmm. me I have a PhD I like to be all over the place I'm unmedicated all good for me so this particular young lady by the third session I think by the second or third session, we made our way upstairs because her mom mm-hmm. said she's always like screaming in her room, always like you know, bananas in pajamas. Um, so we went upstairs. We're sitting there because I do a lot of my therapy in the community. Okay. I need to go into the spaces and places where the issues are occurring because people can come into my office and they can lie all they want to Tuesday.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
1: you grow up in their house, ain't nobody able to lie to you.
0: Absolutely.
1: You see the mucky muck they're living in. Yes. Have to be. You see their raw self. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go from a place of respect and honor, like mm. the honor and what they are and where they're at, people will open up. They yes. will build them Made my way up this young lady's steps into her room and Lord, let me tell you, walked into the room and grandma was in the mirror. Mm. I looked around the room and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't tell them your dead grandmother in the mirror. <laughs> they had told me that the grandmother had passed. The youth was like very close to the grandmother. Lo and behold, I find out the entire bedroom set belonged to the grandmother. Ah. The rosary that somehow miraculously had like tied around the child's neck one night Ooh. And i'm all like right. i'm like okay i'm mm. like first of all i was like here's what we're gonna do <laughs> i was like we're gonna ask for the exit you know I, yeah. I i always assess for the parents and the family spiritual belief system right yeah i start the youth with you know she read her bible we found a psalm i mean i'm a practicing hindu mm-hmm. i've everything from the torah the quran to old testament new testament and the Hindu scriptures because I love religion, but it makes so much sense in what I do in my life. Yeah. We found places of scriptures that would really work for her. Was she still haunted? Yes. Mm-hmm. Went back to mom and I was like, hey, listen, when did the furniture come? Yeah. Mom, I realized, had spiritual beliefs. Mom was also having dreams about grandma. We got rid of the furniture and the diagnosis went away. Ah, look at that.
2: Wow. And I was like,
1: okay. So, I mean, unfortunately, I'm a part of a system and insurance rules the world in america of oh my God, so you yes. kind of gotta look at things like and say things like well i couldn't say that she was haunted right mm-hmm. people of course come for my degree but I said that so instead i was like you know she's suffering some depression yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was depression in there i wasn't buying yes. And and maybe my treatment modality in writing was d- using the Bible and her prayers and the family like talking and doing communication skills. That was true. Yes. I didn't. I just kind of had to leave out the parts where I had to have the room taken out, the house cleansed, <laughs> crosses put on the front two doors. I just left <laughs> it out. Uh, yes. Because it didn't make sense for the family, right? Yes. But I, I see it a lot. I'll see people say things like, "Oh, this is this is schizophrenia." No. I had one other young lady she saw numbers and what she saw was people's life path numbers right in front of them and and she would be able to tell you all these beautiful things based on your number well they said she had psychosis but whole skillet was only seeing numbers she wasn't seeing ghosts (laughs) Mm. I sat with the parents I gave them someone to talk to you know I said it was anxiety which it the school was creating anxiety. The system was creating anxiety for the child. They mm-hmm. weren't formalizing that she was actually, and it was so crazy. I spoke to a, a Hindu pundit and okay. I was, the numbers that this child is seeing correlate to when you open up, they, they open up these, they call it books, right? Mm-hmm. And when they open up these books based on where you're born, the, the planets, the time of day, the whole entire, you know, kit and caboodle, they'll tell you certain things. Yeah. Numbers, she would just look at a human being and tell their numbers. Was born with this amazing gift, but sometimes we have to, or systems pathologize. They mm-hmm. say,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Well, I lie to you and tell you I haven't seen more than you know, I can count on my hand spiritual issues versus mental health. No, I'm not gonna lie to, that, lie to you. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, nope, nope. but I also feel like a lot of times someone like me ends up with those individuals mm-hmm. because of me. Okay, yeah like the case will fall through with someone else or they didn't find me or they'll randomly find me somewhere. It's always something that makes them end up on my path. Yes. And it'll be stuff where like the medication isn't working or this isn't working and then I'll end up talking to somebody who's passed. Yeah. Or I'll find out they made a trip to Haiti and something popped off. (laughs) (laughs) Something popped off or they went to a funeral in Louisiana and something popped off. Mm -hmm. That'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know sometimes I just embrace it but yeah there is true mental illness there are human beings who the chemical is imbalanced and of she, course yeah uh, not there and I will always call it what it is but mm-hmm. I will always rule it out and so for me personally I always rule out spiritual as well
0: which yeah no I think I have a very good friend who's also a therapist and she does the same thing and like she's also very spiritual but I think that is such a good way to go because I I, I mean obviously I'm a nurse so I you know I know that like I'm not one of these people who's like everything is spiritual. Cause I don't think that yes, there's some people, they just have chemical imbalances in their brain that cause issues Yeah, and that's fine. And we deal with that with therapy or medication or both, whatever, but once in a while, some people are really having spiritual issues. And I think it's so important to always rule that out first. So that then we don't muddy the waters or we don't put people in unnecessary treatment plans that don't, aren't really going to benefit them in the long run. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love I love the connection that you make there. Because I feel like that is the maximal way to help people, you know? Yeah. To to take every aspect of their life. I feel like people in the medical and industrial complex, we leave out spirituality so often because, like you said, insurance is there's no I C D code for like haunting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, or seeing dead people. Exactly. Stop it. Like, exactly. Absolutely nothing. And I, I mean but I will say that I found like even with end of life was the one place where it was the most welcoming.
2: Mm-hmm. Like I
1: had a lot of my my clients who were passing. I found that my hospice nurses, my hospice social workers, I found that they were more open to those spiritual aspects mm-hmm. versus, you know, because there's something about end of life. It's almost like people are willing to take anything. Yeah, um, Hello. End, And I think that's where... A lot of I found the most like welcoming, if that makes sense. Yes. In terms, of, regardless of where they were, like where they were in terms of like ethnicity or race or spirituality, something about when you're about to meet your maker or not meet your maker, whatever people may believe, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like people are willing to like believe anything. Ah, yes. In, in that moment, because fear and you know trauma and all these other beautiful things like the rage their ugly you little know, face, but. I got lost
0: let we talk about again okay <laughs> girl don't worry we're just we're just chatting but all right so you know what actually this is a good part where what we're gonna do next is we're gonna talk about food and then we're gonna get to more stuff that you brought up and i have to bring that up again because we're gonna go to another okay oh, I'm, I'm babbling let's talk about the food okay so so i try to pick a dish for every episode and today's dish because we got mala and her beautiful indo-caribbean guyanese self here I was like, okay, let me try to pick a dish that, like, we all like something technical. And I was like, I'm not doing something technical. Let's do something easy that we all know. So we got some curry goat. I mean, some people (laughs) may not like goat. I do. Do you like goat? Actually, I became a vegetarian. Oh gosh, you're
1: vegetarian. I'm sorry. I I ended up something that people like a lot of times don't understand or don't. It's a side effect of meditation. Mm -hmm. Start to meditate and lift your vibration. Mm -hmm. Something happens where your physical body starts to say nope nope uh-uh, yeah, that not. makes
0: sense
1: I can't consume that but yeah. I mean I'm a part of a culture where you know goat is pet for pot for us Christmas morning mm. um, you know so go to the big part we do it when somebody's like a child is born go get a goat uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody's getting married get three goats
0: <laughs> why not get a goat for every occasion I love it <laughs>
1: Like very common, especially because we're Hindus, we don't do we don't do beef. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then a lot of Hindus don't do pork as well. Oh, okay. Um, so goat is really our go-to besides like chicken or duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the occasional lamb. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm getting hungry, and I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fun. so okay. You know what? I dish I should have picked, and you will probably know the name of this dish because I don't remember it. It's like chickpeas with like, in like a spicy situation. I'm not sure the name of this. Chana? Yes, Chana. Yep, Chana, Chana's a good one, but you know what's an even better one? Mm-hmm. Cook up rice. Cook Have up you rice. Have
1: had cook up rice?
0: No, I don't think I've ever had cook up rice. So
1: cook up rice actually comes from the villages. It comes from the very beginning for many of us, because what happened is, so cook up rice, you're you're gonna know exactly what it is once I tell you what it is.
2: Okay. So it's
1: one big ass stein pot. Yes, you throw inside of it greens, black eyed peas, any kind of meat and fish you got. Okay, right?
0: girl. Yep.
1: Like everything <laughs> yes. gets thrown into this one pot and they cook it outside,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And it's very, very common. Anybody who is from like the Caribbean, a lot of us have this one. It's just like a, it looks like the in the South they're jambalaya.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah.
1: I and so <laughs> the rice is actually a staple that came from, or, or a product, I should say, a product of. Our indentured servitude. Yes. Okay. Why? How? Because they were so poor when they got to where they got to. Some people had potatoes, some people had black eyes, some people had chana, which mm-hmm. is the a- beans. People had like a handful of rice, some greens. They would throw all of that into the one pot and everybody ate, regardless yes. of what you had. Somebody might have had a chicken, somebody had some fish. They threw all that into one pot with spices, and everybody got to eat. And that is actually when I think about it a lot of times, that is really like symbolic of who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. Are, cook up rice when you think about it, yeah, right Or a little bit of everything, but everybody gets to eat. And I think that's what's helped us as a people survive
0: through indentured servitude, right? Yeah. Indentured,
1: indentured servitude is
0: slavery. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing, basically
1: it really it just is- like
0: sounds better but it's no better guys <laughs>
1: it's like no better it's just as bad You're still going through these horrible, horrible things. Like, I hear stories that my mom and even my mother-in-law will tell about, like, there were places where even when they were born, you couldn't go because British soldiers were systematically raping the Indian women. And that, so, and the men couldn't do anything about it. And when they tried to rage against it, what did they do? They took the Black Africans in Guyana and the Indians and they pit us against each other. And if they divided us, then we wouldn't be able to conquer them until we finally figured it out. Made our cook-up rice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we all sat down and we're like you guys we both hate the british
1: so why are we fighting with each? let's all get together and kick their asses out the country exactly. we can fight among ourselves for the next god knows how many years right exactly. but that's the reality of it like and i think that's one of the beautiful things about like the indo-caribbean culture one of the things that i learned was i and i used to ask my mom them this a lot when i was younger like so who celebrated diwali and who celebrated all the hindu holidays and who celebrated easter because my mom's like oh it's easter time i'm like we're hindus Like, why are we celebrating Easter? Oh, it's Eid. It's after Ramadan. Why are we... And she's like, but Guyana was like that. In your village, you could have a Muslim family, a Christian family, a Hindu family. Everybody celebrated everybody's holiday. Yes. And cook up rice was the one thing that all of us make, regardless of faith, Mm -hmm. regardless of... Because it meant the whole village could survive.
0: Community. That's how a lot of these communities, like, especially you know, in places like we're talking about Guyana and different parts of the Caribbean. That's how we all got through it was because we all just fed each other because we're like, we're all tired, man. (laughs) We're all going through it. So like let's, and then we, those communities, they take, they take care of each other. Don't get me wrong. It's not like everything's perfect, but like there is cook up rice is like such a beautiful example like you're saying just of community and people just being like all right we got like girl you got some potatoes (laughs) i got some beans let's figure this shit out (laughs) really
1: what it was it's it's so funny because when i was growing up i hated cook up right Mm. i
2: used
1: to tell my grandmother you just throw everything your hand a touch
2: inside Mm. (laughs) go into the
1: fridge and if your hand touch it just made it into the pot i said to her how can chicken and fish exist in the same pot And why is it outside instead of on the stove, right? Yes. But it wasn't until years later, you know, as an adult, I realized how important that one thing is because people would come together to cook it, first of Mm -hmm. all. And nobody was poor at that moment. Because think about it. Everybody could contribute. And if everybody could contribute, it didn't matter if you were contributing the chicken or you're contributing the rice or the black eye or the doll or or the garbanzo beans. It didn't matter. Yeah still given something so that meant everybody eats yes exactly (sighs) i think that's one of the beautiful things about our culture and i feel like in so many ways we lose it we're losing it as generations of us are are being i mean my children are first gen born in this country Mm -hmm. i force them to eat cook up rice i tell them you're gonna eat this because this is the food (laughs) yes i'm like you're gonna eat
2: this
1: shit and you're gonna be happy (laughs)
0: So, so first of all, I just love that you brought this up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some internet stuff. And when this episode comes out, I'm going to have some links in the show notes about cook up rice, because this is just an awesome concept. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So, oh my God, thanks so much for telling us about that Mala. So, okay. So this is a part of the show where I plug myself and then at the end of the show. Mala is going to give us all her links, so you guys can follow her and just how awesome she is because i'm like obsessed with her already okay so. <laughs> so this is where I plug myself like I said, so if you guys enjoy the show you can follow me on social so i'm on instagram at dine with the divine on instagram and then on Facebook i'm done with the divine. And if you really like the show you can subscribe, you can like you can give us a rating on whatever platform you listen to it on, and if you have any questions comments. Constructive critiques, feel free to email me at dime with the divine pod at gmail.com. So, like I said, at the end, we're going to talk all Molly's stuff and get all her information. So, just stay tuned. We're going to get it. So, all right. The next part of the show, I like to call it tea time because I like to do a little educational thing. And so, I picked some stuff. All right, let me start with a sh- very short story. When I was younger, I used to love this website called BeliefNet. So I also am like very obsessed with religion. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm like obsessed with religion and culture and stuff like that. And on BeliefNet, you got to read about all these different religions. It was a very well researched site. I don't even know if it's still on. I should check. But anyway, I always used to read about Hinduism that like Hinduism is really confusing for everybody who's not Hindu. They're like, <laughs> you're Hindu, it makes perfect sense. And it's like, and if you're not, you probably won't get it. (laughs) So don't worry about it. So (laughs) I used to read this and it used to drive me nuts because I was like, I really tried to like, I was like, no, I'm going to understand it. Like, and I, the thing is, I have a basic understanding, but, and even on this website, they'd be like, even if you have a basic understanding, you're probably wrong. So just don't worry about it. (laughs) everything you think you know you actually don't and the only people who get it are usually people who are just hindu so i'm like okay that's fine i'm just gonna give up but at the same time we have mala here so i'm gonna ask her some questions about a couple of different things so the first thing we i i was like let me pick a subject the first subject i wanted to pick was like kundalini yoga after i picked that i went down this rabbit hole and i was like what 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 What? there's so much going on and it's so interesting okay First, you mentioned this before, when I was reading about kundalini yoga, they were also talking about tantric, tantric yoga. And I am one of those terrible people who also thought tantric yoga was just about sex because that's all I ever heard. I don't know anything about tantric yoga. I just heard people like, oh, it's sexual yoga. And I was like, okay, like that's fine, whatever, but um, tantric yoga, from what I've read and you correct me if I'm wrong, it is and kundalini yoga have to do with the goddess and is the goddess Durga? Is that the goddess we're referring to? It depends. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what
1: I'm talking about. (laughs) Here is is my disclaimer. So my big disclaimer is one. I only know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. That's okay. Um, Yeah. So I never will profess that I am some expert on on Kundalini yoga or Tantra. All I know is what I have practiced and what it's done for me what I've been raised in. So even when you said about like Hinduism, I'm like, yo, the Indians like in from India will totally be like, this heifer don't know what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> I only know I, I mean I have some aspects of it. Like i am pretty I consider myself pretty well read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied Hinduism. I looked at the text. I did it as a scholar, right? I looked at all that beautiful stuff and I learned about all the different sects of, you know, Hinduism. But I'll break it down the simplest way I can possibly tell you. Mm-hmm. Most Hinduism is part of this like there's like these main gods Mm -hmm. Vishnu Krishna like and when you have these main ones they have their own people their own belief systems, their own way of looking at everything they define everything on earth right Mm -hmm. for me personally I'm a shakta and so what Mm -hmm. that it means is that in my universe it's the goddess first and then all of them came right okay yeah yeah see her as a consort to them i see her as the the, the whole you know the whole Shabbat. she's it mm-hmm. for me and i refer to her as adi parashakti the, okay. the you know the that's the one who i am devoted to so okay. when i want to speak about tantra or you know kundalini or even yoga my experience is very specific to being a shakta it's very specific to the goddess mm. um, so for me, when I went through and I was really learning and understanding Tantra and I was learning, which Tantra just means woven, yeah, right? Okay, okay. Stuff's woven together, right? Okay. So like, you know, like to take the word and they put it to sex and they're like, oh, this is a penis and a pussy and they're together. That means they're woven.
0: Like, like they okay, you know, but it can mean a lot of things more than that. <laughs> it's a very strange thing, you know, that people make it about that. But anyway, go ahead
1: because of the concept of kundalini right kundalini is this primordial energy that gives life, yes and does that life exists it exists down there yeah yeah, and,
2: yeah
1: right so a lot of that just got taken out of context
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you have a spiritual experience in sex yes you totally can but it's when you find your right partner yeah yeah find the right partner then that's when you know you can go through that practice because it's a it literally feels like a spiritual experience when you find the right partner. It's not mm-hmm. trying out a bunch of partners and, you know, you know, it introducing the Kama Sutra into there. No, that's actually not what it is. Mm-hmm. For me, when I started really looking at, you know, Kundalini Yoga and the chakras, which they're not called chakras, they're chakras.
0: <laughs> I know now I've learned this and I feel so dumb. So I just don't say it. I'm like, you know, the system with the with the things <laughs> I don't want to. I'm like I sound stupid when I say it.
1: <laughs> so, but I, I tell people like you know it, with the, learning about the chakras, learning about the nadis, and the mm-hmm. like, you know those 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 different energy centers in the body, I equate that to specific goddesses. Okay. I it, like in the West, they, when they look at a lot of limi yoga, it depends on who it came from. Yeah. You know, in the West, a lot of what they see is Lini yoga is a very unfortunate like whitewashed version that was fed Mm. i don't blame the west i blame the people who came from the east who washed it out for them and gave them these seriously like you know uh, crazy ass versions of tantra and and yoga but i also think a lot of it was based on like you know being able to captivate an audience yeah I find personally and people can fight it out with me if they want to. Sometimes in the West, my clients that I work with, even in meditation or, or doing Kundalini yoga,
0: they want to know, well, how long do I have to do this before I can get to here? Girl, it's a problem. I When I work with people, it drives me crazy when people are like, and I'm not, again, I don't completely blame them because of maybe our situation here, but like people are like, well, how many times do I have to do this till I feel better? And it's like, I don't know, girl, like until you do, I can't spirit works how spirit works i can't tell you i'm not gonna be like excuse me goddesses and gods how do you think this is gonna i don't know <laughs> but people are such a rush like no no but i want to know that i only have to see you twice and then i'm gonna be healed right i'm like no, no, no that's not and i feel like that's such a block to healing for people but anyway keep going i'm sorry similar to psychotherapy
1: people come to me and they're like so how many sessions do i need until i'm no longer like suicidal i'm like thinking in my head Bitch, <laughs> God. <laughs> and I like, I look at people and like, sis, I love you and I really want to help you. But first we have to take away the concept of like, well, how fast can I get here? It's no
2: yeah.
1: Like we're not in a race to get there. And I think that's one of the things that is lacking a lot of times in people who want to practice Kundalini yoga or even working on their chakras. There is this this insatiable desire to just get it done. Like, I'm gonna get yeah. done. This. It's gonna go from here to here to here to here. Bam! I'm enlightened. No, no, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. It's actually a journey, and that journey can take years upon years. I mean, I started meditating at freaking seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My memories were of tying sheets around my head and telling my sister and brother to sit there in front of me and pray to me, and they were mm-hmm. like, "What?" <laughs> and the thing was, the thing was, a lot of the concepts I used to use they weren't in our our structure of our family. Mm-hmm. Like now, like when I I talk about it, my family's like, "Well, we don't know where you got that because the internet wasn't around." I'm 44 this year. Yeah. You know, I remember beepers. Like yes. <laughs> I was there at the birth of the internet. Actually, I, I flipped the switch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I tell people like there w- I had to go to like Irvington Library to learn things.
0: Yeah,
1: Irvington Library didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> right?
2: yes.
1: So I did that work and that's what, you know, that was a slow progress. It took me years to learn this and I'll meet people and be like, so, so how long should I work on this chakra? I don't know until it feels good. What, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I'll, I'll walk you through this place to get mm-hmm. here. But I mean, for me, when it comes to tantra, I'm looking at that goddess. So there are these beautiful goddesses. They're called the dust Mahavidya. Okay. They're like 10 Mahavidyas, ten very specific goddesses,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like you know, Kali is one of them. Mm-hmm. Which you know, Kali tends to scare the shit out of most people. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Most of them don't even know her like her forms and her name They just completely. I gotta tell you how many times I'll go onto some like some of these Wiccan or other platforms. I'm not just saying Wiccan, but like other platforms. Mm-hmm. About, like, Kali statue, and I'm like, my dudes. Like, but do you understand? Like, you uh, actually uh, ask the questions like to understand what you're doing and i'll sometimes engage for shits and giggles and mm-hmm. be like well i can tell i can talk about this and then they'll ghost me because mm-hmm. the reality is they only want what google is going to give them yes. they don't want to learn the, the 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 version that we are taught
2: mm-hmm. so,
1: sort of like that like, i hate to say it but that authentic version we're brought up with the things that aren't in books they don't want to learn that yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn what they can Google because they think that's going to get them from like one to hundred really, really quickly. But mm-hmm. I didn't earn my master's degree like as soon as I finished high school. Yeah, I had to get there, and I had to do like you know two thousand and something hours or whatever the hell it was. I can't even remember to get my LCSW. Yeah. I had to study to get here. It it didn't happen overnight, but I feel like. Even when people look at things like Tantra and, and, and meditation, kundalini, it's kind of like this big rush to get to the end. Yes. Because everybody wants to feel enlightened, but most people don't even have a fucking clue what enlightened feels like. Yeah. They they don't because the goal the reality is if you were all your chakras were open, bitches, you wouldn't be alive anymore. You that's not that's not how it works. You I won't be to be here. Certain ones, when they open, you lose so many things like like I I can only speak to myself
2: Mm
1: -hmm. more meditation I did over the years I lost the ability to do certain things like I can't go to certain places Mm -hmm. anymore I can't eat certain things anymore Mm -hmm. I, I meditate like three to four times a day to maintain my energy I have to put up certain yantras on this vessel to be able to go from here to here yeah yeah you know, I did an event this morning, and when I did the event, there was so much energy in there, and it was a very conflicting energy that came in, all the stuff fell on top of my candle. And mm-hmm. of course, the stuff that fell were all like synthetic mis- things that could burst into flames. Yeah. It's the flame of my candle. My candle did not go out. It did not catch on fire. I just moved it, but it did it twice to me. Yeah. Right? Because there are things that will come for your vessel.
0: The more you elevate it
1: and those are the and i i use the word consequences loosely but you lose so many things when you start to look inward yeah. and a lot of people don't realize that um especially when you start to like channel and you start to manifest these energies and and those that's Mahavidyas, when you're actually doing that kundalini yoga no you're not walking around with your eyes shut like this saying shit like i see people on on thing and they shut their eyes and I give them much props for wanting to have that download and say these things and god bless them I I want them to do the best version and be the best version of yourself
2: Mm
1: me it's like this as long as you're not harming somebody else or harming yourself you can be batshit crazy (laughs) I don't care you can receive messages from everybody and a grandma I don't care as Mm -hmm. long as you're hurting another human being that's when I care yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's when that mandated reporter rages her little head, and you know, I I, I channel my inner collie, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> off to you know, screening for you. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm I'm mindful of when I see these things. I'm mindful of, it and a lot of times I say nothing to it. Yeah, I let yeah. it talk because I realize that sometimes it's just not worth talking about. It's yeah. not worth correcting. It's not worth giving that. Because you kind of gotta face it, like I gotta, I, I sort of think about it like this: if people really want to know, they're gonna find me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, mm-hmm. but my focus is through those goddesses. You know, I have a very specific goddess that I'm aligned with. Mm-hmm. She has been there since my birth, and and so in in, in Hinduism we will have, like, an Ishtadevata, like, the one we love. Okay, got it, got it. One who we are in love with. And I don't mean in love with, like, in sexual love. I mean, like, if she rolled up here tomorrow and was like, okay, leave your husband, leave your children, and go away, I'd be like, all right, let's go.
0: Yes, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
1: Everything for her, and she is the one who's given me everything I have. Mm -hmm. Right? She's where my devotion sits. She is the one who I channel. Yes, yes. She's the one that I can manifest and she can do absolutely amazing beautiful things she's the one that gave me my gift and that is how I move kundalini through this body I Mm -hmm. sit with someone and she helps me to harness that energy and look inward do I like kundalini meditation a lot no
2: Mm
1: -hmm. why do I like it because it makes me feel high and it will last sometimes the longest the high has ever lasted for me I think was like 48 hours wow okay Mm-hmm. Oh. and I don't I don't I choose not to use edible but I choose not to do those things because mm-hmm. it literally feels like I drank a lot mm-hmm. and I'm tipsy but then like I'll start saying things and I'll know things and it's like supersized But that happens when I meditate and then I'll like go to these and I'll lose hours oh wow it, okay it's yeah, down to meditate yeah. and hours are gone for me so, mm-hmm. I always say that there's many forms and many ways of doing Kundalini yoga. There are many forms and many ways of of following the you know the tantric ways and even being a shakta. Mm-hmm. and I feel like at this point in my life, people are gonna find what they need in the way that they need it for what works for them, at where their soul is at. Mm-hmm. Um, their spirit is at. so i I, I said kind of always look at it that way. So when I see something that may not be actually correct, I always say to myself, because maybe they don't need the correct and I'm funny because I know nobody can see me but I'm bunny earring that like they don't maybe need the correct and Mm -hmm. if they correct I believe the universe is a way of giving it to you it's like that what's that concept when a student is ready the teacher will arrive yes 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 I mean this is my disclaimer this is my personal opinion people can choose to fight me over it I'll tell them where I live (laughs) no problem taking off my earrings getting some like of some Vaseline. And, you know, I mean, even though my husband says I'm too old to fight anymore, my back is not that good. But I will throw down if I have
2: to You do what you got to do. Oh, <laughs> well,
0: yeah. But you know what, I think it's valuable. Kind of like you said, there's like people who who bring the practices over, and they kind of water them down or whatever to also make them profitable, right? Like, people want to make money. So, I kind of get it, but I also don't. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it, and not because, like you said, you're you're not an expert, but like one hundred percent, obviously, I'm not. I just want to ask somebody who actually practices these things because I was like, I want to hear it from them what it's really about. I can read, and that was part of the problem. When I started to read about this, I was like, I'm very confused. Like I don't understand <laughs> if I was like, I thought it was one thing. But it's not and i'm getting confused i was like you know what i mean this is what i want to talk to her about because she's a practicing it and i want people to hear that this is somebody who's practicing it and this is their experience now i don't know it's probably not every single person's experience but to hear this is how how it makes sense for you this is what the practice does for you and i have heard many times like kundalini yoga it's like not a joke and i'm like okay but what's not a joke about it like what's going on but now when you're explaining it talking about like being enlightened and all these different things. I'm like, that nah, makes sense. People don't realize kind of like you said, like doing all this work changes you. Like you said, there's certain places you can't go, certain things you can't do, like doing all this work is going to change you. And a lot of people in different spiritual spaces want spirituality to just be a magic thing. Fix it,
1: Yeah. Fix it. Exactly. Exactly. They, want, they want it to be like a magic potion.
0: Yes. Then,
1: the, the reality is, And I always say this to people, you know, be careful what you wish for, Mm, right? Girl. Be careful careful what you manifest, Mm -hmm. right? Because there are always consequences to manifestation and people don't even realize that, like, however you want to look at it. I mean, I I look at people who do and I talk to many people who've done Kundalini Yoga. I'm always interested in, because I will always be a scholar, I'm always interested in, well, how did you get there? yeah I, yeah with that path because i know what my path looks like right i found this amazing goddess who i've traveled with from birth after birth and her and i have she's taught me a lot of things she's shown me a lot of things a lot of the stuff that i learned i didn't learn from books i learned from her tellings, right yes. but this is just my personal experience and and i always say this to people you can read a lot of stuff but it's also important to talk to other people who might have that insight because the thing about kundalini Yona know, that people always say is dangerous is when you start to do the work. Stuff does pop off, like yes, shit, yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. And you think, oh mm-hmm. no, like it's like growing up in like Princeton and deciding that you're gonna like walk seven o'clock at night down like a like roseville and Newark. Yep. Hello. Holy, <laughs> <selfish>. like, <laughs> holy, holy, holy shit, Batman! <laughs> oh, Are you? what you thought because you know you did some taekwondo for a few years you do not be okay walking down the street at seven o'clock at night uh, I know no, no no you're not gonna be and, and I think sometimes that's that's what happens but I also feel like a lot of people will do a lot of spiritual bypass oh, I feel, girl yeah. I
0: feel like this is a whole other podcast I'm talking. I know, about. girl we're, don't worry we'll be back to talk about this another time it's me and you don't worry but it's true ah let me tell you people that The way people, and like, we're going to move on in a minute, but like, she just keeps talking. Mala, girl, the way people like want to just be like, oh, I did a little. And okay, everybody, please. I'm not shitting on Reiki. Please don't, don't, don't say I am. I'm not. But the way people say, well, I did a little Reiki, so I guess I'm good now. I'm like, girl, I heard you had all this trauma in your childhood. Now you're telling me you went to two sessions of Reiki and you think you're fine? Okay, wait a week wait <laughs> a oh, week, people they just want to say well no it's fine i did a little bit of this i did a little- okay and i'm not saying it doesn't work but i'm saying you have to when you really start to and this happens i'm sure you see this in therapy too and i think this is a lot of things sometimes people don't talk about that bothers me when people talk about therapy you have to move through your trauma you cannot just be like well I'm going to therapy. I know so many people say, Well, I'm going, I'm going. Okay. But as soon as your therapist starts talking about your trauma, I want you to talk about it and move through it. Oh man, I don't think it's for me. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) That happens all the time. I I get see stuff and I'm like,
1: Oh, so when we stopped like all the fluff um, Mm and we got to like the real, real shit, you don't have time to make your appointment anymore. Hmm. I know. You you verbalize you want to do the work, but the work is hard. And the reality is, yes. even when I had to work through my own trauma story and I had to work through my own stuff, yes. it took a lot of therapists for me to get there. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of coping skills for me to get there. It took a lot of understanding for me to be you know, 43 years old and be able to now look at like, you know, being molested, mm-hmm. going through a rape, like being homeless and pregnant, living on the street. Like mm-hmm. I had to really look back at all of that and look at it with gratitude. When yeah. I tell people I can look back at my life with gratitude, they're like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> and like, how do you look at those bad things happening to you, you know, as a child, or those bad things happening to you at like 20, 21 years old with gratitude. And I tell them the same thing, like, I've reached this place where I don't consider myself enlightened, but I consider myself informed, right? And as I have become more informed, I have realized, my realizations are that, no, bitches, I don't want to redo this life again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go down this path again. That whatever I had happened to this vessel in this birth, there's a good chance I did that shit to somebody else in another birth. And I am mm. paid for it in this lifetime. Mm. All right? Because I believe in reincarnation. I mm-hmm. believe, that, you know, people do shit to other people. And then you got to reap that shit. People think karma is instant. It's not always instant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it takes lifetimes before it comes back. And I accept for me, and this is personally,
2: mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about
1: it. You can tell. Um, I accept for me that the things that have happened in my life are blessings. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. need to be the woman I am today. And I wouldn't change it. Even the worst of the worst. I mean, I've gone through domestic violence. I will not change that, for nobody. Mm. I realize that I have to look at those things with gratitude Mm -hmm. and acceptance. I have no desire to walk this path again and do the same bullshit over and over again. Mm. I have no desire for enlightenment either. Yeah. And I tell people that all the time. Like I meditate and they're like, oh, don't you want to get enlightened? Hell no, <laughs> I don't want to be enlightened. I want to reach that point where I'm just good, good, mm-hmm. good. But I don't want to, I want to keep coming back. Yeah, Why? Because I like being the other. I like the feeling of spiritual energy. Yes, I like, yes. I like that relationship. I like human beings. I mm. love humans. I love them in all their good, their bad, their ugly. I love it all because, once you can really look at them and understand them and love them even for all they are and they aren't, you come to this realization that you don't really want to be nothing. You don't really want to, you know, in in Buddhism, they say there's nirvana. It's extinction. Mm I don't want to be (laughs) extinct. I'm okay with feeling pain because I know what love will feel like. So bring up the love. Mm. I I know chaos and I'm okay with feeling chaos because peace will be able to be harnessed. Yes. I, I'm okay with this this dance that we have in life. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody might not be there, and I'm okay with helping you on that journey, but I'm okay with me.
0: Yeah. Ooh, okay, girl. Okay. The, that's yeah. awesome. I, you're so cool. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> you're just awesome. All right. Well, we could talk about this forever, and we might talk about this again sometime, but we're going to go on to our story because a lot of what you just talked about has to do with the story I'm going to tell today. So guys, guys, if you don't know that this is a uh, podcast where to tell stories. So we're going to tell a story about a woman. I don't know if you've ever heard of this woman. Her name is Fulan Devi. Have you ever heard of her? All right. Let me tell you this story of Fulan because this story is insane. And it's a lot about resilience. Like this woman is literally the definition of resilience. It's insane. So this is okay. A trigger warning for unfortunately a lot of sexual assault and violence okay so just letting everybody know and murder and just a lot there's a book called rejected princesses that i'm kind of obsessed with probably going to use this book a lot but uh, there was a guy who had a blog and he made different stories about different women who and he called them rejected princesses because they would never be able to be disney princesses but their stories are super important so the first story we have to, well, the story we have today is Fulan Devi. So she is a woman and she was born in I'm not going to say this right guys, but I'm sorry. Uttar Prashar, India, this is in Northern India. And she was in a lower caste. And if you do not know about the Indian caste system, you are feel free to Google it and learn it. We don't have time to talk about that. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing guys. She was born into a lower caste, which means she was lower on like the social level. Her family was pretty poor. Her dad was in the fisherman. She had, a, they had a small farm, but they were pretty poor then. And so people treated them pretty bad. The only people who treated Fulon well is her own family. So, but even some members of her own family didn't treat her well. And that's when we get to talk about her bitch ass cousin, his name was Miladin and he's an asshole. You'll see he it gets worse. So Miladin and his dad, who's Fulon, Fulon's dad's brother, her uncle, they tried to take some of the land from Fulan's dad and they basically stole it. So Fulan from the time she was little, she was very smart. Her and her sister, they decided to hold a protest where they went and sat on the land that the, her uncle had stolen and ate all the chickpeas because <laughs> they were like, screw you. We're going to eat our own damn chickpeas. Cause you stole it from my dad. Now, They considered Fulan in the town to be a problem because she was doing this. She wasn't a problem. She was just sticking up for her family. So anyway, everybody was like, you got to get this girl married off. She's a problem. She's a troublemaker. So our family was poor. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of money. So they thought, okay, let's just do it. So they married her off. She's 12 at this point. No, she's 11. Excuse me. And they married her off to this 33-year-old guy. And it was for a little bit of money and a cow and a couple other things again guys her family was really poor so for them, this was kind of the situation that they had to do. So she's married to this 33 year old guy she's 11 he is assaulting her all the time he's physically assaulting her sexually assaulting her things are bad for Fulan. So she decides I got to get out of here, I got to go home she goes home her family is super embarrassed this is a very embarrassing thing at this point in history and in her culture this is bad you're not supposed to leave your husband it doesn't matter what's going on so her family's like look if you don't go back to him the only thing you need to do is you're probably gonna have to go kill yourself yep so she, yeah so she's like i don't really want to do that so she's like ah, what do i do <laughs> um, So. Fulan was like, all right, I don't want to do this. So she went to the cops and she's like, police, please help me. These, my parents are telling me I gotta kill myself, but my husband was beating the crap out of me and I really don't want to go do that. What do we do? What did the police do? They sexually assaulted her. And it was really bad for her. Then her asshole cousin took a paper. meanwhile, her parents were illiterate. They were from a poor area. They didn't go to school. And made him sign it. They were like, oh, we'll get Fulon to go back, but you just have to sign this paper. And her family didn't really know what the paper was for, but they just thought, okay, this is something good. So they signed it, which was signing away their land officially. And they were like, okay. And then this guy, her cousin, basically went and got the husband, got the husband to take Fulon back. At this point, Fulon's husband took a second wife. So now, Fulon's husband's treating her bad and this other wife is treating her terribly. So now she's got two people beating the crap out of her and she decides once again to leave because she can't do this anymore. So she gets back home and her family again is like, Fulon, girl, you've got to stop coming here. But she doesn't know what to do. And she remembers that it's her cousin who's the one who kind of is doing this to her. So she goes and she starts throwing rocks at him. And then he reports her to the police again. And... The police are like, okay, well, we don't know what to do this time with this girl. She's a mess. So what does her cousin do? He's like, I'm going to get her kidnapped. So he hires a bunch of thugs to kidnap Fulan and they do. And surprisingly, guys, this is the point of the story where things actually start to get a little better for Fulan. So <laughs> yeah, know it's like, ooh, it's been rough. What? Yeah, things start to get a little better. So she gets kidnapped by this group and the guy who is second in command, his name is Vikram. We love Vikram. Vikram becomes actually really good friends with Fulan. And he's like, girl, let me help you out here. These people are crazy. And she's like, okay, but they kept, they decided that the leader of the gang decided that he wanted to sexually assault Fulan and Vikram found out about this. And Vikram was not having anybody mess with his bestie. So he killed the leader of the gang and Vikram goes to Fulan. And he's like, Fulan, I killed that guy. Cause he was going to try to mess with you and also just want to let you know i'm in love with you but but if you don't have those feelings for me it's cool i just want to tell you and she's like okay vikram that's cool like i don't have those feelings for you but we could still be besties and he's like bet it's great <laughs> so they like so they become best friends and they become the leaders of the gang so Fulon, little Fulon, is running around here with vikram and a bunch of these other dudes messing places up to the point Where people were just so afraid of her people thought she was the reincarnation of the goddess Durga because she was so fierce if you guys look up Durga on the Internet you'll see a goddess who has 10 arms sometimes eight she is. Now i'm gonna get this a little wrong so don't quote me, but her and Kali are like one is reincarnation of the other, so they're somewhat similar but not they're different but not okay. So just know that Durga is like a big mother of all she's a fierce woman and i also want to mention because we talked you talked about this before we talk about Kali again i'm no Kali scholar but i remember i took a religion class in college and we learned about Kali you know you see her she looks kind of scary she's got her tongue usually stuck out she's got a, a dead man's head in one of her arms and she wears a necklace of skulls but Kali is also called Kali Ma Because she's a mother. Because actually, if you think about it, she's so fierce because she's defending people. She's not just going out hurting anybody for no reason. Kali is the kind she cares about her people. Just remember that. And that is the same situation with Durga. She cares about her people. Will she fuck you
1: up if she needs to? Yeah.
0: But it's because it's out of love. These are two loving goddesses. (laughs) Yeah. it's out of love she's like oh don't mess with my kids though like I don't have time for that okay so back to our story now so Fulon and Vikram are running around you know they're robbing trains they're kidnapping people but they're usually robbing the poor I mean robbing the rich like they're not just kidnapping anybody not that that's great but I'm just saying (laughs) that's what's going on so Fulon in the meantime she's like oh remember that ex-husband who i hate can we give him a visit and vikram's like yep so they go to the ex-husband and she ends up beating the crap out of him and she actually mutilates his nether regions because she's like how dare you so then she keeps going and she goes to the police officers who decided that they were going to assault her when she tried to report her crime and she kills one of them so now oh the other thing guys i didn't mention that the police officers had done was that when she went home and after they assaulted her, they put out all over the village that Fulon was a prostitute. So all these dudes kept coming to her house trying to solicit her services to the point where she had to start walking around with a stick to beat men off, like because they were bothering her so much. So that's another reason. So she goes and she kills one of these officers. And then again, so people thought she was literally the reincarnation of Durga and they were petrified of her. So Word spread all the way to her stupid cousin, Myladen. He found out that, like, ooh, people, you know, this is my image in my head. Myladen's walking down the road with his dumb ass, and he sees two people talking, and he hears Fulon saying, and he's like, Excuse me, you're talking about Fulon Debbie? And they're like, Boy, <laughs> like, Bam. <laughs> they were like, Bam. I'm telling you, I Fulan, she's not playing any games. And if she said, <laughs> I just this is my whole scene in my head. Somebody was like, I heard that they said your name and she's coming for you. Myladen is now scared. He's frightened. So when he finds out like Fulan's around. He gets himself together, he puts on a bunch of rags and he walks over to Fulan and he's like, Fulan, I'm so sorry for like marrying you off to a rapist. Oh, And tries to give her like a little bit of money and Fulan was like, get the fuck away from me. (laughs) So her family, the only reason Fulan didn't kill him that day that she saw him was because Vikram, her bestie, and her family begged her not to. They're like, please don't kill him. Like, you just have to try and forgive him. So Fulan was like, you know what? Fine. Because of you guys, I'm not going to kill him. So she walks away from that situation. And then at that point, she's like, you know who I think I am in love with? Vikram. And Vikram's like, oh, you like me? Great. She caught feelings. So her and Vikram get married and it's great. And everybody's super happy. And we love, we love Vikram. He's great. So, you know, he had so much respect for her and that's why we love him. So unfortunately, this is not the end of the story. There's a little bit more to go. So, <laughs> so Fulan was super happy with Vikram. Everything's okay. She kind of is like like chilling out in from the gang. She's not doing so much gang stuff anymore. She's relaxed a little bit, but then one day in the middle of the night, Fulan, she's getting ready for bed. Vikram's already asleep. She gets to go to sleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night. She hears some noise, turns around. Somebody shot Vikram, poor Vikram has died. Now who shot Vikram? there's two members who are used to be in her gang, Sri Ram and Lala Ram. So they're two brothers and they found out about Vikram killing the leader of the gang before and that Fulon and Vikram were at the head of the gang now. And they thought because that Fulan and Vikram were in a lower caste than the two of them, they shouldn't be at the head of gang. So, and also they want to get revenge on Vikram. So they're like, we're gonna shoot Vikram. Um And Lala Ram then go and they kidnap Fulan after they shot Vikram. Now, what they do is they blindfold Fulan and they bring them back to their village It's called ben Mai. I hope I say this right, Benmai. And they sexually assault her for days and days and days a whole bunch of people they make her walk around this village naked in the middle of the day with what carrying water back and forth kicking her just treating her like absolute garbage this goes on for a few weeks until there's an elderly priest in the village who sees all this happening and he helps fulan get away so she runs into the woods she flees and in the meantime Sri sri ram and lala ram find out that this guy helped and they kill him so then seven months later a small group of people dressed as officers enter bimai and they round up everybody in the town all the men and they tell them attention attention goodbye we are here to find sriram and Lalaram, and if y'all don't get him out here right now i'm killing all y'all so it's fulan and people are shocked they think fulan is dead because she was you know she got messed up they think she's dead. No, nope, she came back because she's never dying, guys. Like <laughs> She's out here. <laughs> this woman, I'm telling you, when I say resilient, girl. this woman is resilient. So she comes out and she's like, no, 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 get them out here right now. So what now you're wondering, where has she been for seven months? Oh, girl, she's been busy. She's been up and down small villages all over India, literally terrorizing bad people, anybody she thought was bad or mean. She was just messing them up, beating them up, cutting off people's noses, castrating rapists. She was letting out women who were in some type of bad situation or being beaten by their husbands. She was helping free them. This is what she's been doing the whole time. Again, of why everyone thought she was a reincarnation of Durga because nobody could catch her. She was doing all of this stuff, protecting all these women, and nobody could get a picture with her literally people could not get a picture of this woman, so they didn't know she was also very mysterious so she's running around so then anyway, so she gets to Ben Mai And she's looking for these Rom brothers and nobody would produce them so she ends up killing 22 dudes in this village, to the point where. The army had to get involved because they're like, OK, 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 this is too much. This woman can't be doing all this. Eventually, Sri Mom, he gets they find out that. Him and his brother had gotten into fight and killed. And killed each other, I think the two of them ended up killing each other. So once Fulan decided, realized that they were both dead and this was kind of her whole thing that she was looking for them, that's why she was doing all this. She negotiated her surrender and she went to jail. She ended up going to jail for 11 years. She admitted what she did. And she's like, yeah, I killed all these people. But let me tell you something. Okay. When Fulon surrendered herself, 8,000 people were cheering for her. She was 19. Wow. People, Yes. People were cheering. Like, this woman is out here like all this injustice and yeah, it's bad, what she did. Don't get wrong. You shouldn't probably murder people, but she experienced all this injustice and she was just trying to help other people and help herself. So she's doing the best she could for herself. All right. So she surrendered 11 years. She was in jail. After she got out of jail, she was like, Hmm, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about what I did and I know it's wrong, but I've also had a lot of time to realize how bad it is for poor young women like me. And I don't think that's fair. I'm going to run for office. So she <laughs> So she ran for public office. She became, I'm not sure if it's like I think it's a representative of some type. Um she became a representative of her area and she won by a landslide. She decided to really speak out for young women and poor people in general. She did all this work to try to help all of them. And people loved her. After everything she did, people loved her. Like, she was one of the only people out here speaking out. Like, this isn't okay. Like, this is happening in all these villages. People are discarding these poor girls because they're poor and that's not fair. Like, nobody decided to be born like this. They're just young girls. And guys, remember this whole time, Fulan can't read. She never went to school and, she went through all this trauma and she still accomplished so so much so unfortunately after five years in office Fulon was gunned down in revenge for that massacre that she did what they call the bed massacre where she killed those 22 people but they found the people who did it one of the three killers who killed her and in 2014 they put her them in jail for her life so people asked i'm just gonna finish with a little quote from Fulon because in this book they say many journalists through the last couple of years asked her like about her history and they kind of attacked her like well you did all these bad things like what what do you think like how do you think people should forgive you but what she said was this is Fulan. do you have any idea what it's like to live in a village in india what you call rape that thing that happens to poor women in villages every day it is assumed that the daughters of the poor are for the use of the rich they assume that their property in the villages, the poor have no toilets, so we must go in the fields. And the moments we arrive, the rich lay us there. We can't cut grass or tend to our crops without being accosted by them. We are the property of the rich. They won't let us live in peace. You'll never understand what kind of humiliation this is. If they want to rape us to molest us and our families object, they'll just rape us in front of our families. So Fulan just makes the point that like, don't judge me for what I did when these people are treating us so bad. I guess she's kind of the kind of figure you don't know if you want to love Fulan or hate Fulan, but I'm gonna choose to to say that Fulan is a complex person who went through a lot, and I think she's somebody to be admired to so, to have gone through all these be- these things and then come out of it and like you know what I'm still gonna help other people. That's gonna be what I do. She went to jail for 11 years, like that's a long time, and she still was like I'm gonna help everybody I can, and she did, and people really like her, and to this day. She's seen as somebody who, you know, for her area, did a really good job for them. So, that's the story of Fulan Devi, the one who was so she. She didn't look like a big lady; she was tiny. Guys, people were terrified. Like so, that's the story of Fulan. And I hope if you want, I'll add some links, like I said in the show notes, so everybody can read a little bit more about her. But she's a pretty interesting character. So for the
1: Indian movie about her too. Like yes, they made like that. Just your whole storytelling just felt like a Bollywood like, like a Bollywood movie. I was waiting for you to start singing at some point. (laughs) And just like thinking that there's going to be a song and dance number any point now. And yes, it's an extremely serious topic, and I don't, I'm not making fun of it, but I think that's the the beautiful part of of the Indian culture, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not just Indians. I mean, you seen this dynamic is in, in in so many cultures I oh mean,
0: yeah
1: Take her put her in africa and it'll be the same dang story exactly um,
0: women all over the world this happens to you know
1: Hispanic culture you name it it, it is the same it's america yeah oh, God. Yes. <laughs> you, you take her and you put her anywhere and i think that's just such i am going to have to watch the movie
2: yeah. i might i
1: might i might read the cliff notes version now since you've gone through that beautiful but wow
0: Wow. And you know, what's really sad. This still happens today. I know the, And then the part about it is again, like you said, it's not, it has honestly, this story has nothing to do with the fact that she's Indian, not at all. Just the fact that she was a woman who was from an air and this is like society all over the world. People who have less are always, are a lot, always treated. She didn't choose to be born into a poor family. It has nothing to do with her, you know, but then she had all these terrible things happen to her. And I just, when I read this story the first time, whenever I heard of her, I couldn't like, there's some things and I'm sure you see this like a lot, but people go through so, okay, I'm getting jumbled up. So I do a grief group. I facilitate a grief group and we talk a lot about resilience and meaning making of your grief. So when I saw this, she's literally the definition of meaning making and resilience. This woman has gone through stuff that a lot of us will never go through the amount of trauma. You know what I mean? And th- I'm sure she wasn't going to therapy and everything, you know, she was just like dealing with this the way they, and then also she killed people, which is also traumatic, even though she did it, but it's still a problem. Anyway, the fact that this woman made so much of her life, you know, when people would be like, well, she didn't go to college and she didn't do. No, she didn't. She couldn't read, but she didn't care, like <laughs> nothing to do with it. She's obviously intelligent enough to realize that everything that was being done to her was wrong. And I'm going to stand up for myself. And then she ended up standing up for other people. And I just think, what a beautiful person to not just think, oh my God, all these terrible things happened to me. No, she made meaning of her life no matter what. So I just, I love it.
1: It it is beautiful. And it's women like that, that that really emphasize or really stand for that village. She's the village, right? And what she did representing, you know, the the specific cast in that those lower cast in her village is a testimony to what women continue to do throughout the world, right? And and everything always goes back to and I hate to say it, but everything always goes back to my cook up rice. <laughs> <laughs> cook up rice. <laughs> and because it's messed up, and yes. it doesn't make sense, and it's not going to be in some culinary book as perfection. Yes. You know, just like we're not going to be in some book as you know, they're not going to look at perfection and see our, our picture there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to see her picture there, but she is imperfectly perfect. Oh, and, hello. And the fact that she's she's done this. I mean, sadly, like I said, this is the story of many women, and this is the story that continues to ha- plague our universe as long as there are penises and ignorance and you know. Women who support those penises to do these things. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend they're not females out there um, that you know support idiots. There are. There Mm -hmm. are. We'll continue to have these things happen to our daughters and our sisters, and and men too, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to take that away. There are males who are sexually molested, abused, and Mm -hmm. awful things happen. I mean, think of the amount of people that are trafficked. Oh, terrible
0: terrible terrible but that was definitely a beautiful story thank you for sharing no problem and oh quick note about the movie so I think in 2004 they made a movie and she apparently did not like it she, thought, I saw an interview with her she's like I asked them to take four scenes out and I think there were some of the scenes where she was being sexually assaulted and she didn't want that on the screen and they didn't take them out and she was kind of upset about it but she was like I literally asked them to take out four scenes and they didn't so I actually hate this movie and I don't think anyone should go see it. Fulan was a very strong woman. She had some strong opinions but yeah so I've never seen the movie but that's what she said about it. I watched an interview with her but yeah but thank you so much Mala for being here
2: Thank and- you
1: for I really love being able to talk about myself
2: (laughs) 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 he's really good right now thank
1: you (laughs) (laughs) you know and so all the the haters and naysayers are going to come back and be like that bitch don't know nothing nope I don't know anything I know nothing I probably never will know anything and I'm completely content with that because I can still go to sleep every night being content with who I
0: am This is what I'm saying. This podcast is not a podcast for experts. I don't want people to be here. Like, oh no, no, we're just talking about shared experiences and that's the world. And that's how we relate better to each other. You know, that's, that's why I'm glad you are talking about Kundalini. I was like, now I kind of understand it. I don't, I read so many scholarly articles this. I don't get it when you start talking about it. I was like, girl, I understand like somewhat now. And that's what I think is so much more valuable when you hear it from somebody like that. But okay, so Mala, I want you to tell us if you're, if there's anything you want to talk about, like plug, um, where we can find you on the internet and things like that. You, go ahead.
1: My goodness. Uh, I totally wasn't prepared for that, but here I go. <laughs> you can find me on my half ass Instagram. Um, I am, my disclaimer is always, this: I, I tell people this all the time. I am not social media. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's out of my generation. And I try so hard to like, remember content, 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 and I fall down a rabbit hole. And then I say, fuck it, I'm not going to do <laughs> content anymore. So if I did have to tell anybody anything about me is that my social media clinician with a cauldron, Legacy Counseling, which is my psychotherapy company, best places to find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I? Well, the reality is I finally figured out what I am like, like maybe 48 hours ago. I'm still questioning it. But I, I like to think of myself as a psychotherapist slash life coach who sees dead people. Mm-hmm. Your path lives. <laughs> which I use all of that stuff to be able to kind of help you move forward. So I'm always saying to people, and I don't market a lot of it because mm-hmm. I say to people, if you want me, you're going to find me. And when yeah. you find me, I'm going to do my best to help you, because I don't want to just tell you, oh, I see your grandmother, or oh, your, your great-grandfather great-grand- is coming through, or oh, in your past life, you were murdered. Like, I don't want to just tell you that. I want to tell you how it came through this birth, mm-hmm. how it makes sense for you as a human being, and how do we keep moving forward? I'm not going to ever lie to anybody and say how I see every single life you've ever had. No, for some reason, I can only see whatever's bothering you in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Very specific. Like, I will see trauma through lifetimes. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I wish I could see the lovey-dovey, fancy, nice, kind stuff. I don't see that shit. I see the stuff where it started. I bring you to right now. And then I show you, we talk about how it's manifesting. And Mm -hmm. then we call it the I think that's why the clinician of the cauldron makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm because cauldrons are found all over the world it's not just Wiccan um mm-hmm. yeah I have those pots everywhere oh, right? Yeah. and if I want anybody to get anything out of this is that I am authentically myself I am not an expert in anything beyond mala I am an expert on who I am and what I am but I have a lot to give and yes. I am willing to teach and help anyone who's willing to make a phone call or reach
2: out
0: yeah okay everybody so i'm gonna put all of mala's information down so you'll be able to find her be able to visit her website you'll be able to find her on her as she said half ass instagram but we love a half ass instagram queen over here so it's fine and this has just been so fun thank you so much for talking and explaining things this has been great so okay guys so again i'm gonna plug myself again because what else would i do you can listen to you can listen to this on any channel any oh god platform god i can't think apple podcast spotify whatever please give us a five-star rating if you like this show if you have any questions any comments any constructive critiques, please email me at dine with the divine pod at gmail.com and if you want to follow me ashley you can follow me at Sankofa HS. So that's S A N K O F A H S. That's my name on Instagram. And on Facebook, I'm Sankofa Healing Sanctuary. So again, thank you guys so much. And we thank Mala for being here. She's been such an awesome yes Yes. And I will see everybody next week. Bye.